The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Welcome to issue 250. <sighs> Nick, you can do this, man. Pull it together, man. I'll just Come start on. over. Give me a second. I'll just start over. Nick, it's you can do it. Welcome to issue 258 of Super Skull. Is <sighs> Nick, you just, I love you so much. I know you're not feeling super juiced right now. Can you tell? I'm not trying to. I, I've been, I think I've been doing a pretty good job hiding it. You, you haven't. I haven't done a good job hiding it. It's totally obvious, and I want you to feel better. I'm worried about you, dude. It's the 258th episode of Super Skull. It's the week of December 18th, and I got the holiday doldrums, bud. <laughs> I know you do, dude, I and I'm sorry to hear that. This is our last show of the year. We're not going to do any more Super Skull for the year. And, like, it's... So, the only light that I have left mm-hmm. is gone for the rest of 2019, which is also the rest of the decade. It's the only thing that was keeping you going. It's just... <sighs> Curtis, I don't know. Well, do you even want to do a show today? I hate to say, I don't want to be the first one to say it, but do you even want to do a show today? Look, buddy, we we have to do a show for the people. Okay. You know, we got to do it. We got to pull it together. I know you haven't been feeling super good, so I got you a present. Is that this giant this giant box that was in here? You, you might have noticed this refrigerator-sized This uh, is actually this box. for me, seriously? This is for you, dude. Oh my god. I noticed that you weren't feeling super, you know, jolly lately yeah you could tell and i thought maybe hey a huge present might help wow i know i'm very conscientious that's incredibly thoughtful of you dude <laughs> i can't you, believe this can i open it right now or you do you want to wait till after no please open it now all right i'm gonna get it i'm gonna get it i'm gonna get it. i think it's almost got and it's it, 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 it's open surprise what oh, 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 oh. <laughs> i got you a marcus oh nicholas marcus Schwimmer. oh hey buddy I've been in this box for a very long time, but you're on the nice list this year. I am. And I'm your present. Buddy. Hey, bud. It's so good. Curtis, this is so thoughtful. This is exactly what I wanted. I knew that you would, the only thing you would want more than a Marcus is a naked Marcus in a giant box. Yeah. And, and I, that there, is and so. Here you just, is. You've been naked in that box for a while, yeah, huh? The last thing I remember is Curtis being like, "Get in my trunk, it'll be real funny." And now I'm here. That's it, the smell of the box. Now is yeah. like wafting into the room, yeah, and it's like, like it's intense. Yeah. Nice. Hey, this is great. You got to sometimes, uh, you know, roofie friends <laughs> for surprises. Thank That's you. right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Wow, it's good to see you. It's good to see you guys. And I have, have you been in that box since the last time you were on this podcast? What day is it? Where are I have it's no idea. It's almost Christmas Day. Oh yes, since I was last on the podcast, we left the studio and Curtis said, "Get in my trunk." And uh, yeah, playing the long game. Playing the long game. Long game. I appreciate. I just that. I know how these things go. Wow, this yeah. is great. I we I mean, <laughs> do you want to like be on the podcast since yeah, you're here? You know or? I do. I feel like I just left yesterday. Wow. So hey, I have a surprise for you guys. What for both of us? What? For both of you. Many moons ago, I made a bet. <gasps> with Nicholas Wybar, and I lost that bet. Yes, yes wait, you, did. You, you made so many bets. Yeah, you're gonna have to be a, you a lot lost. more specific. Yeah, this was the bet of all bets. Uh-huh. I had bet that in CM Punk's written <laughs> comic book, Drax. Yes, that at some point Drax would end up in a wrestling cage. Of course, because yep. he, you know he's a big muscular guy. He's written by a wrestler. Yep. 
absolutely going to do a wrestle. And while he, on the cover oh of one of them, he did. Um, I was I, I lost that bet. The he technicality was it did the, not it happen was, in the interior of the comic. You lost. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. And and I lost. And I'll own it. And for about and I knew from this moment. Yeah. I got a like a, a window into your character. Yeah. Because. This was five years ago, bud. Was it five? This was probably a good solid five to Could've six been. years ago. Could have been. It was so long ago. Well, gentlemen, I've finally delivered. I present to you a one-page written book report on oh the history of CM Punk. It's a Christmas miracle. I can't believe it. Can will I, you, can will I you read, share it with us? Will you want me to read the whole thing? Yes, please. Okay, <laughs> one second. Let, let uh, Papa Noel crack open... His holiday cheer. Okay. Right, there we right. go. I'm going to the... join you. Mm. Man, you guys sound awesome right now. Thank you. CM Punk, a book report by Marcus Schwimmer. <laughs> the title is A Book Report. <laughs> All right, sweet. Philip Jack Brooks, better known under his ring name, CM Punk, was born and raised in the Chicago suburb of Lockport. <laughs> One of five children, Brooks' father struggled with alcoholism, which was a major factor in his choice to adopt the straight-edge lifestyle from a young age. Brooks' first venture into the world of professional wrestling was with his friends and brother in a backyard wrestling show called Lunatic Wrestling Federation. This is where Brooks came up with his ring name, CM Punk. The CM... You guys know what the CM stands for? I, have, I was I was hoping, if nothing else, we learned what the CM stood for. Yeah. The CM stands for Chick Magnets, which was his tag team group name. Brooks found out that his brother had smuggled thousands of dollars from the LWF, and the two have not spoken since. Hold on a second. Yep. What is the LWF? That's the Lunatic Wrestling Federation. Yeah. The league that they started. Got but it. His brother embezzled money. Thousands of dollars. And they've never, to this day. To this day, never spoke. Wow. Oh, wow. You hate to hear it. You hate to hear it. That's right. Uh, Punk really propelled his wrestling career when he was picked up by Ring of Honor Promotions. He He started the promotion as a face, but was soon switched over to a heel. You guys know what a face and a heel is. No! Face is a good guy. Heel is a bad guy. It's mm-hmm. that's that's industry terms that so I've CM learned. Punk started as a good guy. Yep, and then he became a bad guy. And if, and if we heard what the CM stands for, Chick Magnets. We did hear that just a minute ago. Chick Magnets Punk though, is the is what you would say. That's yeah, you, if you were to pronounce his full wrestling name, did you it say would be Chick Magnets plural? Chick. There's it was a tag team. There was two of them. Got it. So the CM was the <laughs> was the like their their clan name. There were two. So he was just Punk. But he was then a member of Chick Magnets. That's right. It's like a biker sign. You know oh. what I mean? Yeah. It's very complicated. It is. It you is. Know? Um, while in Ring of Honor promotions, his major feud was rooted around Punk being straight edge and another wrestler named The Raven resembling his alcoholic father. That is crazy. This is dark. <laughs> In 2000- I thought this was going to be fun. <laughs> in 2005, CM Punk would earn the Ring of Honor World Championship and would quickly sign a contract with the World Wrestling Entertainment. That's the WWE. Is that the good one? Yeah, it's the good one. I thought one. it was the WWF was the no, good one. fuck the F. They got rid of it. That's the World Wildlife Foundation, bro. That's what Pandas. Oh, okay. Got this you. Is, this is WWE. This is wrestling. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Something doesn't sound right here. <laughs> I always forget how much I like pro wrestling mm-hmm. until I think about it even for a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like so dope. All the names are long as f- hell and weird, and the storylines go on for 
years. It's totally complicated and bizarre. I'm only half done Move. with this book report, gentlemen. So you might be, you yeah, might be full I done. So. I think so. I just <laughs> want to say that uh, since that time, uh, Punk is working to uh, create a union or retirement fund for um, old wrestlers. Oh, that's a nice. That's a nice uh, change. Yeah. Does he still go by Chick Magnets? Yep, he does. Okay. And uh, I want to say that uh, writing this report was a fucking nightmare, <laughs> and uh, debt fucking paid. Well, debt paid. Well, wow. Well, I can't believe you did it. That was also actually like a lot more in depth and uh, thoroughly researched than I wanted. I wrote eighty percent of it on the toilet at different intervals. To be completely honest with huh. you, wow! Just whenever I'd sit down on the toilet, I'd pump out a paragraph. It does show. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for thanks. doing it. No problem. I feel like a I feel like a weight's been lifted off of me. Man, so we get now. We have to ask. You've 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 fulfilled your obligation mm-hmm. on one. Lost bet. Yeah. <laughs> There's a litany <laughs> of other bets. Is there? I feel like we've cleared them all at this point. I, I, I know a certain someone at this table. His name's Curtis Sullivan. That's yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, who? Oh, I owe you a Manny Petty day, don't a I? A Manny Petty yeah. fun day with Marcus. I'm ready for that. And uh, I'm just throwing it out there. It's uh, the holiday season, so it's no let's, better time. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I'm let's ready. tighten ourselves up. It's, it's holiday picture season. It's glove season. Let's get our shit together, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Maybe we just go shopping for the perfect Christmas outfit. There you go. Well, now what are we going to do? I don't know. That show. Do you remember how Boom. to do Super Skull? Do you even remember how? You know, when I look back, I think of the early days, and I think I remember a lot of the early days more than anything. What do you remember? Um, I remember hanging out mm-hmm. in your kitchen, drinking Corn Smash mm-hmm. and Hot Damn. What, what, was, what do you remember? Drinking... Corn smash, you do not. What do you have there? Is that some hot damn? This is a bottle of hot damn. Oh my gross. goodness! Not no, it's not gross. No, it's awesome. Not only that. Oh, those champagne glass. We have some little flutes here. Oh, yeah. that's very nice. Enjoy. And now, Marcus, could you describe for the listener? Yeah. Um, the sensation. Oh, the color is repugnant. That's a lot of hot damn, brother. Oh wow. That's liquor. You're pouring there. Thank you. It's it's just the um, worst. So hot damn has a beautiful cranberry color when you pour it into a Here you go. glass. Um, I would give. The, You're not going to enjoy it, Curtis. I, that face is correct. I would give the the scent is a, a warm cinnamon mixed with a autumn campfire. It's like if yeah. you spit a shitty cinnamon candy into a glass of gross tap water and left it overnight. The color of it is. Um, it's like highlighter pink. I call it warm cranberry. There's nothing warm about it. It's unnatural. Yeah. It's like if you ran Red Bull through a bunch of gamma radiation. Oh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Maybe you could get some powers that way, though. Well, shall, shall we, gentlemen? Let's Cheers. do a toast to you, Marcus. Thank you to you, gentlemen. Thank as you well. for joining us. Oh, it's so bad. Are we, you just sip this one, right? It's just a sipper. You mm. want to you want to hang out with this? It's like a once you aerate it a little bit in your mouth, like a fine French wine, it really warms up. Maybe uh-huh. I'll spin it a little bit. Yeah, spin it. Just give it a little twisty twist. Open up the uh, aroma. I have oh, it's wretched. Heartburn immediately. Oh, Instant it's so heartburn. bad. What is, what is Curtis just had an organ removed. He, the, I think specifically, <laughs> he was not supposed to drink hot damn ever again. Yeah, I, I like the squeezy. It's like a squeezy ketchup bottle. Oh yeah, that it comes in, so you can squeeze it out, and it has a weird <laughs> plastic. That's to aerate uh, it as it goes yeah. out. Oh, okay. Yeah, I exactly. See. Drink a lot Got of it. hot damn in my life, and this 
This is this is some uh, premium vintage right here. A little better than you. Yeah, I would say so. You're saying. Cheers. <laughs> we're recreating. We I was going to drink this hot damn alone, <laughs> and I'm so glad that I get to share it I with the I cracked my glass. I hope, yep, sorry about that, oh, Curtis. Oh, take it table. easy. I got so excited. Well, we've got our hot damn. We've, we've got, got our hot damn. We've got a table. We've got, we've got these three dudes. Yep. Do you want to do the numbers? I miss the numbers so much. Take us in, buddy. What's that music sound like? That was fantastic. Nailed it. <laughs> what do you remember? The last time you were on the podcast, probably earlier this spring. Yeah. What do you remember about the state? Yeah, we were having a rough go of it. A little bit and, of a rough go. And things were starting to turn around. We were starting to break to the point where we were like close to the year before's numbers, mm-hmm. which the year before wasn't a great year, but we were pulling ourselves out of a mini comic recession, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. Uh, yeah, we had a couple of quarters, right? We were like two quarters of like not sucking means maybe we're we're doing a pullout. Yeah, we're doing a yeah. pullout. Yeah. yeah, did that happen? Well, it's been a weird year. Okay, for comics, what do you remember over the course of the year? If you had to take us up to this point, Curtis. What do you remember for the year? It's been a little of a roller coaster because we had a, a like a really good August, remember? And we were all like really juiced on August. And then October was a little bit down. And then November was flat. So it's been a it's been a little bit of a rulicoaster. Well, it's the last the numbers of the year. We're not gonna get any more data this year. Of the decade. Yeah, it's the last of the decade, which is this is. It, I'm glad you're here for this. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, yeah, because you've been watching it for a long time. Yeah, I have. So we had strong sales in the month of November for comics and graphic novels, and it pushed the whole industry firmly into positive territory. We're looking at a steady two percent improvement, and this all but guarantees that we're going to end 2019 on a stronger note than 2018. We're going to improve on 2018. That's good news. I think that's good news. Pretty good way to end the year. And we should say uh, really quick, graphic novels have been kind of a tough spot in the direct market this whole year. Yep. Every single month, graphic novels have been down. And that is telling because in the mass market, they've been up. Mm -hmm. So it's this weird disparity. Like, graphic novels are doing good, generally speaking. Overall, they're doing good. They just haven't been doing good in comic shops. Have you thought about more face-outs? So... (laughs) <laughs> what does that we mean? We always think about more face-outs. Are you? Marcus, I don't know. Explain you, what that term is. Oh, sorry, because I, I worked in the book industry before I worked in the comic industry. A face-out is when you take a really great-looking cover. Mm-hmm. Fuck the inside. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, you, you're just selling that yeah. cover. You and, paying attention, Mark? Curtis? Then, I'm trying. I'm, t- I'm drinking it in. You face that baby out, so it's spine, 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 spine. You face it out. Beautiful cover, but it's got to be towards the front. you got to have something back behind it, really get it Flat. Oh my God, that's so, genius! So I'm just yeah. gonna throw that out there if you guys have never thought about that. Maybe you know, I face can't, it out. Curtis never thought about this. We'll try a face out next time, I guess. That's free, dude. Yeah. Once. You I know? mean, it's not free. It's like a lot of work. You got to like yeah, oh. go up to it and find a book. Yeah. And no, then you got to turn it around. Yeah, but. move and a thing. And I just cannot emphasize enough that the inside of that graphic novel couldn't possibly matter. Couldn't possibly matter. It's yeah. all about that cover. Does it have dinosaurs on it? Face it out. Where was this expertise when you worked for the comic shop? Uh, I was drunk for most of that, to be completely honest with <laughs> that you. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so Marvel, hot damn Marvel ate up uh, the lion's share of the top 10 slots. Single issues released in November. These are the numbers we have yeah. for November. It's a lot of Marvel. We had a New Mutants book. We had an X-Force book. We had an X-Men book. And they dominated the charts. Return of the X. Return of the X. 
Yes, Dawn of X. Dawn as of it's, X. As it's called. Dawn of X, even. It's uh, dawned. DC squeaked in. They had one top 10 book with uh, Batman, colon, Curse of the White Knight, colon, Von Fries, a book that I read. You did read that book. I'm, I'm afraid. And Images, Image had a new number one, Undiscovered Country, that made an appearance as well. I like it. By Michigan's own Charles Sewell, which we all like a whole lot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those are the two sole holdouts uh, in a very marvely November. It's a lot of Marvel. So we can also take a look at how the industry's performed over the decade because this is the last one we're going to do of these of the year. And it puts things into perspective in an interesting way. So John Jackson Miller over at Comicron reports that if we hold on to a 2% increase over last year, if we hold on to that now, which looks very likely, this will be the best performing year in the comic book industry since 2015. 15 was a good year. 15 was a very good year. Yes, it was. And this would put the direct market, which is comic shops, it would put them at uh, about $525 million, which is a 25% increase since 2010. So if we look at the whole decade, industry has grown a lot. And, and that makes sense, right? The last couple of years have been a little, you know, up or down or iffy or whatever. But as a decade, yeah. we saw humongous growth starting, you know, what, 2014 forward. It was really, I mean, even 2013, even it was growth, 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 growth. Yeah. So there were some exciting years. 2016 was a beast. 15, 16 were like bananas and mm-hmm. even though and it looked like the good times would never stop we had some point. we had some conversations <laughs> yeah. 15 16 where we thought we were buying like rolexes and cadillacs for everyone right just on. like this is this unstoppable <laughs> I, I are def- we geniuses, are we geniuses? <laughs> i definitely remember one or two conversations were like this shit has to hit the fan at some point yeah but 25 percent over a decade most industries would kill for that absolutely Good decade for comics. Could be, you know, the and there's a lot of weird trends that we've also seen over the past few years. You kind of get the sense in 2018 and 2019, like that the gains that we see are not the healthiest gains. They're propped up by maybe comic speculation to a certain degree and to gimmicky things that the big two do. Eight dollar single issue number ones and all that. For kind of instance. Stuff. Yeah. And there's a, I mean, it's in a very we we've been talking about this since we've been doing this podcast, like in a very, very healthy market, you would just see very, very good books putting up really strong numbers. Yep. But instead you see the stuff that puts up really strong numbers are like key issues that comic dorks are gonna buy almost no matter what. Yeah. And yep. uh, it's and you know, and you've gotten some growth on the back of that. It's you know, put it, it's kept a lot of shops in business because we've had that. But it is not exactly what, if you had to like paint a picture of the perfect comic book industry right now, you wouldn't start with that. Definitely not. Yeah, is it, have we moved the needle in a real way? Have we created permanent new enjoyers and readers of comic books uh, yeah. in yeah. big enough numbers where it, it's, you know. I mean, comic, I don't know if we have. Comic shops, right? I, I think one counterpoint to that is that a lot of comic shops now um have all ages sections and that was not a thing that was around a decade ago it wasn't a, even a conversation it wasn't even yeah. a conversation yeah. and now some all ages books are the highest selling graphic novels month after month um they make new york times bestsellers so but they do on the back of the mass market sure but, but not that does of- i hate that does trickle down into comic shops a little bit 
Mm-hmm. You know, it, we know from Vault of Midnight, the all-age section does perform well. A decade ago, that section didn't exist. So I think as we look back on the decade, we are doing better to create a wider spread of readership. And now it kind of goes to the industry a little bit to catch up. Because shops want more readers. It's more customers. That's that's basic business. Um, but... The Man, in- you just became a business genius Thank in the you. past six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah what I've, in the I've been, shit? Uh, been listening to a lot of TED Talks on oh, my free time. That'll do it. But the industry does need to kind of get, get on with that as well. But I, I've i gone to a lot of comic shops since I stopped working at Vault as I've been traveling around. And you see all ages sections. It's just not something you saw a decade ago. If they were capitalizing on all ages sections in the way... Because we're just seeing graphic novel declines in the, in the direct market. We've mm-hmm. seen it all year. We've seen it for the past two years. And none of it lines up with... The same books, same numbers in the mass market. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. If they were capitalizing on that in the way that they could and they should, yeah. then if if all of those months of negative graphic novel declines that we saw all year, if those were even a little bit positive, we'd be an $800 million yes. industry instead of right. a $525 million industry. Um, stop being so scary. Well, and we should say- Stop being so scary. If you guys stop being so scary, that's more what, kids that, will come in. Maybe just go. face out some more books. Maybe, just face out some more books. Stop being so scary. I've had a lot of time thinking about box. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of what is propping all this, uh, propping up the whole industry really, is <laughs> back issue sales. Propping up the whole thing. Well, it's helping. It is definitely. It's it, injecting it, some money it into It is a piece of it that, yeah. Talk to me about it, Curtis. We need. Well, uh, back issue sales are up. Uh, ICV2 posted an article this week interviewing comic shop owners about the increase in single-issue speculation, right? And this is a thing we've talked about on and on uh, on this podcast. I mean, folks that come into a comic shop uh, with the intent to buy a comic book that they think is rare or is going to be in demand and, and buying a bunch of them to sell them. To flip them, they call it. And the reporting this week introduced a term that I had never heard before, but that I really like, called comics arbitrage. I've never heard Ooh, this. Ooh, I like it. Arbitrage, and I looked this up. It sounds like an anime. It's <laughs> <laughs> Arbitrage. She's a cop with a grudge. Arbitrage SR. <laughs> it is, it, so arbitrage refers to like when you buy a commodity in one market, and then you sell it for a higher price in a different market. Got it. And usually it's like, oh, have you seen the movie Trading Places, Curtis? I I have. You know I, the, I love they, that movie. You know when they're buying pork bellies? I do. Yes. Yeah. Remember yeah, yeah. this. This is a form of arbitrage. Got it. Are they selling those pork bellies in on eBay? They're they're selling pork. No, they're not going also <laughs> into comic shops and buying pork bellies. But the principle is the same. Like gotcha. you're buying a thing in one place and right. then you're taking it someplace else and and you're selling it. That's what people do with these comics. They're buying sometimes that same day, they're buying a book for four dollars and selling it for ten dollars on eBay. Which blows my mind that this could be worth anybody's time, but it is very, very real. It seems impossible and fake, but it, it, is, it exists and it happens every week, yep. week on week on week. And the consensus from this ICV2 article, which we'll link to in the show notes, is that this is very real. This, this phenomenon is extremely real. We've noticed it anecdotally. We, we see it every Wednesday. And it's been bigger this year than it ever has been. Yeah, there's lots of apps now. There's lots of email uh, services that will let you know what's going to be hot. What's the flippers? Um, there is, uh, yeah, apps that I have on my phone right now that I am a part of just because I need to know about this stuff that update me every single week what's going to be the trending books and what I need to know before I roll into my comic shop uh, you know, you Wednesday morning. How does that make you feel? Uh, it's complicated. It's really complicated. Those, those folks are not... 
they're who are those folks? Speculators who are coming in and they're using these apps and using these services to buy books and flip them. Yeah. They are our customers in one sense. They spend money in our stores, and that's cool. And we make more money off of those variant cover books a lot of times. Oh, for sure. You know, it's a book we paid regular price for, and we get to mark it up a little extra. That's very, very cool. But these folks are like shoppers that only come to your store on Black Friday. They're not awesome customers. They're not loyal to you. They're not... I don't really They don't have, love Curtis. They don't love Curtis. They don't we, got love for Curtis. We don't have a rapport. No so, rapport. No rapport. They're here, boom, give me my stuff. I need this book. I'll take this one. I'll take this. I need three of these. I can only let you have two. And then, you know, we have to have an argument. Well, fuck you. Why they can only have two, and then it's yeah. shitty, and they're, they're mad at me, and I'm a piece of shit. And meanwhile, it's Wednesday morning at the comic shop, and there's lots of regular customers who, you know, want to buy comics. Who in. heard about this whimsical, <laughs> wonderful thing that they yeah. might want to experience. Yeah. It is tough, because I do want their money. I do want them to participate in the thing. They, man, they are. It, that's a tough one, man. It is actual money going into the register. It is, and it, and, and that's not nothing. That is not nothing, and it's a significant portion of money. We at all three vaults of midnights make a a fine profit on Wednesday morning, thanks to you know lots <laughs> sure, of stuff. Yeah. You know, people buying regular comics, but then also these folks contributing to the till. So that's real. Yeah, but there's something in my mind. There's something wrong. With this idea of someone just getting an app update, like, all right, Rocket Raccoon number 38 variant's gonna be fucking hot this yeah. week. And, and okay, well, all right. No, that takes the mystery out of it, right? No, yeah. it's no, there's nothing looking at me like, God, that's a really cool cover. I Even if they are flipping it, which I'm not necessarily opposed to, mm-hmm. if you're out there trying to make a buck working, you're working. I get it. But there's something to be said about looking at Rocket Raccoon number 15 variant cover and be like, God, it's a cool fucking cover. Just I, having like a hunch. I bet someone might be willing to pay for that. Verse, oh, at 500, told me this is going to be cool. Bloop. It takes I can sell any, it for $9 more. Yeah, it takes any of the culture out of it. Yeah. Right? At that point, you're just trading something like you're trading a baseball card. It makes it makes my heart sad. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Now, so, so a small portion of these folks mm-hmm. are coming in, and they're using the, I think, a very a minority of them. Yes. They have this app, and it's telling them that something's hot, and they're getting it. they're getting it because they think it's cool. That is so awesome. And they want to put it in their collection because I'm, they I'm think a- it's cool and other people want it, but they just want to have it. Yeah, and I, right? think, I think that's kind of neat because I, I am a comic book collector. I get variant covers for myself in my own sure. collection. I There's covers that I see that I want by an artist, and boom, I want that thing yep. for sure. And I will sometimes pay a premium for that, right? So I, I like that. I love the hobby aspect of comics, and I'm always uh, advocating for that. Yeah, the problem is that then there are fewer people. For every one of those people, there's probably right. 10 more people that want to buy it and flip it that are using these types of apps and are doing this kind of speculation. And then the folks that want to get it because they think it's cool or because they are already reading that book and they just want to come and get a thing that they're already reading, it's gone yes. because it's been purchased by people that are not going to re- even read the thing. No. No, it's a, it's a little cold-blooded. It's a, it's a... It's very mercenary. Well, and the sad, you know? <clears throat> the sad thing about it, too, is when you look short-term versus long-term on these books, it is often the regular cover that attains more actual sellability than the variant. Yeah, long-term. Yeah, long-term. these are all short traders. They're this is all, like, It's all super yeah, quick yeah, because yeah. if you think about like, all right, what's what's a really famous com- Miss Marvel number one, whatever. It's got a pretty iconic uh, cover of Kamala Khan on it. Um, yeah, you drink that hot damn baby. Uh, 
that that regular cover is the one people actually want. They don't want the variant covers because it's not what they expect when they see a Kamala Khan number one. This is unfortunately this is the textbook example of how you crash an industry, how you create a bubble that pops and causes real harm to like an entire industry. If you have a lot, all of these, because once, as soon as the market gets flooded and this no longer becomes a profitable way to, or it becomes revealed that like this isn't worth your time or they print too many of some book and that book that you thought you were going to sell, you know, for, and make six bucks on, you don't make any money on. Those folks don't buy those comics. And then the, the industry depends on these speculators and we're becoming increasingly dependent on these speculators. It's not, at our shop, something I worry about a lot, but it's something I worry about at, at the industry in large oh. to a huge degree because then when those folk, folks stop showing up and then all that money is missing and you don't have readers to back it up, then you got then it then we're in trouble. Well, in the in the the big money variant covers are what they call incentive covers, where you have to order twenty five copies to get one, or fifty to get one, or a hundred to get one. So you get retailers in a position where they start getting accustomed to these speculators, so they start ordering. 300 of a book to get three of that juicy cover, that one in 100 that they can sell for 100 bucks each. You got to pay for those 300 books. You know, but as soon as one customer doesn't come in to buy that variant cover, that whole thing, that shop is eating shit. They are in trouble. And yeah, that's the risk, I think, is the the retailers that, you know, put themselves out there because they got to order books, you know, months in advance and commit to these big quantities. So we're ending the year on a strong note. We're yeah. ending the year, you know, if you just look at the top line numbers, feeling pretty cool, looking pretty good. But these are the things that I'm going to be looking out for next year. Is there anything that's being done to address like this thing, this looming thing of this speculation bubble that that could be forming? That's going to determine whether we have, you know, some sort of massive decline that is going to be tough to crawl out of. I mean, we saw a lot of comic shops going out of business in good years. Absolutely. And uh, this th- th- this could be a lot worse. No, it's, it's tough yeah. doing brick and mortar or anything. If you're doing retail right. in the year 2020, man, good on you. That is a tough racket. And if you're in a very niche kind of market like comic books, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just only getting easier to order shit. You know, you don't even have to get on a computer anymore. And so I think as we go into these these future years, I think brick and mortar comic shops and other shops in general, but specifically these niche comic shops, you're going to have to figure out like what what are you doing to help the community? What are you doing to be a community space for, for this fandom? Um, because we can't just count on speculators. It's just not going to be enough as things get even easier to get sent to your house. That's true. Thanks for coming on. Hey, man, I'm thrilled to be here. What up? <laughs> you guys do a great job. You have events. People come just to talk to you. That's what it's going to be. It's not, you know, it's it's going to be more about that as time goes on. Or at least, at least that's got to be a big chunk of the it's pie. It's got to be yeah. a huge chunk yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Get up on that mic, buddy. I know you're oh, rusty. I'm sorry. You just get up on it. <clears throat> Don't be shy. I'm sorry. With it. Well, that's the decade in numbers. Good decade. Good yeah, decade. and that, Good decade. yeah, let's close out on that, right? Yeah, the de- fucking Miss Miss Marvel Kamala Khan got created as a character. Boom. In this last decade, right? We got uh, Jane Foster as Thor in this last decade. Old Thor became Odin's son and used a giant axe and got a metal arm. No. That's fucking dope. <laughs> Jason yeah. Aaron wrote the best run of Thor ever this decade. Like this decade was pretty fucking. <laughs> no, cool. it's totally dope. Image Comics became. De facto, a real the it's the big three now. 
You know, Marvel and DC do run shit, but Marvel is or, uh, image, image is a force. And before that, they were just a 5% publisher. They are a mover and a shaker that shapes trends in the industry, right? So, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of cool no, shit in the 2010s. Good, good, good. We got a fucking Black Panther movie this decade. I like, feel good about it. It's good. Right on. We started a podcast in this decade. Crazy. It's <laughs> really the healthiest marker that you can think of for the I, comic book I couldn't industry. agree more. How are comics doing? Check Super Skull Show. Check, check Super Skull Show. <laughs> Marcus, you read some comics over the course of the decade. I did. Probably a lot of them. At some point. I don't know if I you... I wonder how many I've read in the last decade. That's a good I don't, I don't know if you read comics at all anymore. I assume you listen to Super Skull every week. I, I, I read a lot of web comics. Cool. Gross. So, fucking No, cool. there's some really good ones out there. I'll give you guys a list of recommendations. Because I know that you listen to Super Skull every week. You yeah. know, we've been talking about our, uh, our favorite comics of, of mm-hmm. the whole decade. And we just talked about it last week. And I was curious... What year? Do you have any? I have. I have a couple. Yeah. Of the 2010s. You mind if I throw some manga in there? You can throw whatever you want in there. Those are comic books, dude. They are. Yeah, okay. So can uh, you start with number five? No. Yeah. Yes, I can. Uh, number five uh, is Rasputin. Rasputin, you say? Rasputin. You all remember this book specifically? Rasputin, Volume One. Got it. Um, and Rasputin is uh about the famed Russian political figure um, but has an element of mysticism to it as well Um, and this was one of the first comics in the last decade that used double spread landscape to an effect that I had never seen before and I don't think I have really seen someone capture it since it would be like turn the page and it would be like place that you're in Siberia sweet Double page spread. Yeah. Here we are. And, and it was fucking cool. Every time they did it, it was cool. Yeah, most double spreads suck. Just like across the board. Okay, well, that's a bit, That's a big statement. Yeah, yeah, come on. There was the- This uh, one you liked, though. I loved it. I now, loved it. We it, sh- was, it brings home, I think a lot of people uh, forget, or it's not, at least it's not in the forefront of my mind when I'm reading a lot of comic books, like, oh, fuck, this is art. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like some- <laughs> Sometimes you just read it's it. It's at the forefront of some of our minds. <laughs> other than Nick Wybar, you know, who's a walking library. But other than that, like, it just, you would open those double spread pages and it was really amazing. So number five, Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, Heavy Metal Magazine, you guys. I re-fell in love with Heavy Metal Magazine this decade. Used to read them when I was a young kid. You'd like find them in weird neighbors' garages and stuff. Yeah. And, and there kinda, was boobs and in there them. there was boobs in it. So you're just like, yeah. Ah. Um, and then Grant Morrison took over as editor-in-chief of Heavy Metal this decade. Mm-hmm. And so I got back into it. And I love short-form comics. I love how weird Heavy Metal can get with stuff. And I, I don't necessarily love every comic in it. But I I like the medium of of this anthology, this monthly anthology yeah, of it's comics. Experimental it's, yeah, it's experimental. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and I re in love with Heavy Metal in a big way. It's... it's, it's uh, it's something I look forward to every month. Number three. Three. Silver Spoon. Silver Spoon. Which is a manga oh. about agriculture school. It's a TV show about a rich kid. 
Not that silver spoon, you goofball. That's silver it. spoons. Aha! Yeah, this is just silver spoons. I love that show. Uh, by Nick's favorite manga creator. Arakawa. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, creator what of did? Full Metal Alchemist. There you go. Um, the Japanese government reached out to her and said, hey, we need more people to go to agriculture school. Will you please write a manga about it? And she goes and writes this beautiful manga about uh, this young man who's not very good at regular academics, can't go to Tokyo University. And so he ends up going to agriculture school and figuring out what is going on with that. And since this series has come out, a lot of Japanese, young Japanese kids are going to agriculture school, which is fucking awesome. That's wild. It's really, really good. It shows how this stuff can change uh, social dynamics. Well, you live in a country where everybody reads comics. It's just a normal form of entertainment, of learning. And so the government reaches out to a super popular manga sure. creator to, hey, help us help us do this thing. That's crazy. Yeah. It's very, very cool. And it's, and it's working. Story. That's very, very cool. Really, really good story. Um, there's a scene, recurring scene in this series where the um, students who are into dairy farming get the cow magazine with the like cow buyer magazine and it is uh, they treat it like porn. So yeah. They, like hide it because they're looking at this like shameful digest of dairy cows. Um, it's really, really, really uh, funny. <laughs> A shameful digest of dairy, dairy cows, cows, quote yeah, unquote. It's very, very funny. Very nice. Number two, Manifest Destiny. Alternative history about the Lewis and Clark expedition. Some of the best storytelling comics has to offer. I think this book is great for everyone. If you don't like this book, you don't like comics, and I stand by that. Oh, wow. It's uh, it's really, really amazing. Um, uh, number one is Wild's End, volume one, number one comic of the decade. Uh, it's a plan war of the worlds with anthropomorphic creatures. Running around, uh, it's got a post-World War II vibe with Clyde the Salty Sea Dog. I'm doing not a great job of d- describing it, but I will say this. I think it transcends comics into literature. Okay. Um, I think, All right. Settle I, down. I think it is one of the best pieces of writing I have ever uh, come across in my life. Um, it, Why? It, what did, what stuck with you? It's just, it's just storytelling at its finest. Ian J. Colbert is on this book, mm-hmm. um, who's a huge Cthulhu fan, huge H.P. Lovecraft fan, mm-hmm. and you can True. see him. This book is a love letter to H.P. Lovecraft in a way, and it's just really subtle character development that slowly makes these characters more and more believable. This is on the backdrop of them looking like animals, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a weird play of the mind, and there's all these little... <laughs> <laughs> There's all these. You don't mock me, Y no, bar. No, no, no. I will come across this table and slam that hot damn with you. <laughs> no, tell me about the play of the mind. It's a play of the mind, and there's all these little beautiful, beautiful supplements and little maps, little letters, little government documents, dossiers, if you will, fleshing out it's the world. It's maybe it's it's the perfect comic book. Perfect comic book. Wild's End Volume One. Absolutely amazing number one comic of the, of the decade. It's a I, damn fine comic book. Yeah. I li- I like looking at your list, Marcus, because. I forgot about Wild's End mm-hmm. until I looked at this list. Love that book. I want to go revisit that bad boy. Uh, it reminded me, Dan Abnan is the writer on that book. Yep. And that dude can write. I forgot about that dude for a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very fine writer. It's It was a set. It was a... I loved him because he wrote this book, and then he went to Aquaman, one of my favorite superheroes. And uh, it was a sad, sad day when that happened. Yeah. Because I, I kind of fell out of love with him a little bit. But <laughs> if anyone has a grand opus, um, it is Dan Abnett in this Wild's End Volume 1. And they're, they're in three volumes in total, right? Three volumes in total. Three yeah. and done. Take it. God forbid the comic industry actually end a story 
in less than 20 volumes, but here we have it. With no sign of Wild's End coming back. No. It's it's, it's done and done. Dunzo. Let it be perfect. They serialized it in single issues, volumes one and two. We should just say, and there was a huge gap, and then they were just like, here, have volume three as a graphic novel. Bam. Really cool. But they finished it. They finished it, yeah. Yeah. And it ends on a a really satisfactory way. Um, Yeah, Wild's End, man. If you go back and if you haven't read it and you're looking to pick stuff up from last decade, I cannot recommend that series enough. All right. Dig it. You got through your list so fast. It took us two hours to It did not to listen. Take it two hours, dogs? Well, I'm sure you heard it. Yeah. Because you hung on every word. I, I get it. Sure. I actually get it transferred to text and then on my Apple Watch so I can read it while I drive. Oh, that's nice. I find that to be the best way to consume the knowledge. Yeah, read while you drive. It's yep. per- perfect. Yeah. I have a question for both of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who win a fight? Me versus Curtis? Me all day. Absolutely. There's no. You have no fucking chance. Oh, that's a good question. I actually do have some. I have some I'd punch important you questions for in you your, guys. In your peeled grapes. Yeah. And I. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, no, please. No, please. Keep going. Take your underwear. Yeah. Out your out your butt crack. Yeah. Up over your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And then I would uh, twist your left nipple. Yeah. T- till black. Marcus, your retort. That's my kink. I love all that. I don't know what you're talking about. So Marcus, uh, after Marcus you're done, counters by enjoying. Yeah, it. Yeah, after you're done pleasuring me, then the fight really starts. Sully, darn it! All right, Nick. Who else? Who else? You? I'm on yeah. a roll. Who else? You want? I thought to? you guys would be more excited about who win a fight. I'm excited for who win a fight. Get a little excitement for who win a fight. Who Let's the hell? It. Tell us who win a fight. We work in a comic shop. Everybody's always asking us who win a fight. Constant. It's near endless. Stream. This is this is a segment where we answer these questions definitively. Yeah. For once and for all, for first one, one of Marcus's favorite comic books of the decade was Manifest Destiny, mm-hmm. historical fiction about Lewis and Clark. Correct. So this one's for you, bud. Yeah. Lewis versus Clark. Who win a fight? Clark's a military man. Lewis is a scientist. This is so easy. Sacagawea. That is not one of the All options. right, it's Clark. We know it's Clark. He's a military man. You think it's Clark? Yeah, I'd smoke him. Curtis? Absolutely Clark. Yeah, he's a drunk too. He wouldn't even feel it. Yeah. Lewis is a nerd. He's always like writing in his books. Yeah. You Clark, know? Clark's got it all. Yeah. He's always got a plan for everything. Well, the correct answer was Sacagawea. You actually nailed ha! it uh, on the trick question, and we can now move on. She's a badass in that book series. Very true. And in real life. All right, I got one for you, Curtis. Uh-huh. Occasional guest of Super Skull, Nick Burtzos, versus today's guest, Marcus Schwimmer. Who, Shit. Who win a fight? Wow. I'm going to name my first kid after you, so think about take, <laughs> take that into consideration <laughs> when you answer this question. Don't be a fool. Middle name or first name? First first name Curtis? This is by Middle name. name Curtis. I think I think middle name Curtis. Okay. First name is uh, D'Artagnan. It's a simple question. Who D'Ar- win a fight? D'Artagnan Curtis oh. Marcus Schwimmer versus Nick Burtzos. Oh, God damn it, Bruce. Well, no disrespect to Nick Burtzos, but he's a... Uh, He's a pretty boy. He's a schoolboy. Oh, you know he is. A, he is a schoolboy. He's a schoolboy, uh, <laughs> pretty boy. <laughs> it's Marcus Schwimmer all day. Marcus Schwimmer. Lumberjack versus the teacher. I'm sorry, Nick Burtzos, but wow. you're going down. I can't believe you answered that question. That's we're right. Gonna, we're just going to move right on. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, I got another one for you. This is for both of you. We're talking about the best of the decade. Yeah. The bandit raccoon from Root. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Versus all of the birds in Wingspan. 
There's some big t- taking this question too seriously. There are some big what birds. Do you mean too seriously. There's some big birds in wingspan. There's like gold eagles and shit. While the bandit raccoon is sneaky. Yeah. I think if we're just looking at numbers and size, gotta go with the birds from wingspan, well, right? Can I say this? So yes, there's some huge birds. There's like a really gross, like he's like a grizzly vulture or yeah, something. Yeah. It's like a hundred pound bird. It's disgusting. Right? It's a nightmare. That said, I have a Pretty good track record with the bandit. Winning. Root. Good I'm, faction. Yeah, I'm saying birds from wingspan all day. I'm birds. saying the bandit. I'm going bandit. He's clever. He's tricky. He'll There's literally hundreds of birds. It's just numbers. It's a lot of birds. It's just it's numbers. numbers game. Even taking size you're saying out it's of it. the bandit versus every yeah, bird. That was the thing. Every, every bird, bird from wingspan. Well, yeah, you're fuck. fucked. All right. It's, yeah, it's the birds then. The if I change answer, it. The correct answer was the bandit. What? <laughs> Give me you your logic. Stick, you got to stick to your guns. <laughs> Give me your logic. Well, the bandit is a scientist, so he's always got a plan. He's not a scientist. And he probably would do something <laughs> tricksy to prepare for all of those birds that he already knew they were coming. He would m- They're just birds. He has sentience. <laughs> he can hatch a plan. One of those vultures <laughs> weighs 100 pounds. That's bigger than you. That bird could kill you in two seconds. That bird could not kill me. That's a fight I want to see, though. Bandit <laughs> raccoon versus 10,000 birds. Yeah, hence the question. Yeah. Who win a fight? That's what we're here for. We're not fucking around. I got another one. This one's yeah. for you, Curtis. Because oh. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're uh, as up on your pretentious graphic novels as you once were, okay. Marcus. Yeah. So this one's more for Curtis. <laughs> we got the brother from My Favorite Thing is Monsters. Okay. This is the kind of sometimes fuck-up, lovable older brother of right. the main character from sure. My Favorite Thing is Monsters mm-hmm. versus the fuck-up boyfriend from The Hard Tomorrow who grows weed and is building a house and loves his girlfriend very much. He sure does. If this they is... fought, yeah, who win a fight? It's, it's, this is an easy one. Mm-hmm. It's the brother from My Favorite Thing is Monsters. That is correct. He's a city boy. He knows what's up. He's mm-hmm. he's seen his way around a fight or three. Yep. Uh, you are partial to city boys. Oh, <laughs> for sure he is. Let's not. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So what? No, it's fine. Yeah. Now the so the, the boyfriend from the Heart Tomorrow though is like he he can he has more practical skills perhaps. No, he, he's my least favorite kind of dude. <laughs> He he's a bowl scraper. Yeah, and I don't like that. He's a weed bowl scraper. He's a weed bowl scraper. Fair enough. He's losing that one. All right, I got another one for you guys. Mm-hmm. This is the last two in a fight pause. that maybe we'll ever do ever. I doubt it. Definitely, it's going to be this one in the tens for sure. It definitely of this decade, maybe forever. Yeah. Digoro, the little baby from Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah. He's the cub of Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah. Versus the child, Baby Yoda. Who won a fight? That's that's fucking mean. I love that's a mean. I love to see babies fight. I'm just gonna say that. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> like Baby out of God. all the things that can fight, <laughs> put a couple babies in the ring. Are you saying like Volume One, Lone Wolf and Cub? Where are we in the series? How developed is this baby? What is Digoro is probably five. So end of Lone Wolf and Cub. End of still Lone Wolf a baby. and Cub. He's still a baby. Still a baby. Cub. Baby Yoda fifty. Mm-hmm. Use the force. Very much a baby, but he does have the force. A little bit. But Daigoro yeah. is on the road to hell and yeah. has killed before. Yes, he, yes, he's he's drawn blood before. He has the blood of the wolf. So even though he is the cub, yeah, he does have the blood of the wolf. There's no way it's Daigoro. One hundred percent force. No force. 
There's no way. I disagree. I think it's Daigoro. Daigoro cannot be beat. Yeah, I'm it's saying Daigoro. I agree with you. We're on 100%. the same page. Yeah, yeah, he cannot be beat. Also, Baby Yoda, like, can't really. I mean, like, he can use the Force. He, uh, yeah. He's but then he dope. has to take a nap after he's he uses the Force. Amazing, you know what I mean? He is. But he has not been on the road to hell. No. Daigoro is also a scientist. He's a, <laughs> he so probably has a plan. <laughs> I say Daigoro. Well, yeah. we'll find out next time on who <laughs> on who win a fight. fight. 20, 2021. Wait for it. Thanks for indulging me. No, no, I both love of you. It. You're that, seriously not going to tell us who you think would win in that last fight. We have to wait till next time. Jesus. Well, we already know the answer. They're kind of the same. They're the same person if you think about they're it. They're not that's, even. That's the point. That's why they, that's they're the not even close. They're a little close. I mean, we uh, can say close. What are you talking about? I mean, they're both babies. The Mandalorian yeah. is Lone being, Wolf and Cub. Being carried around by a hitman. Yeah. In a well, basket. Yes. That one of them has to take care of. Yeah. Yes. And occasionally the child does things that actually show the humanity of the other sure. one. Sure. In, in, in those very super, in, in the briefest of moments. <laughs> that shit's Lone Wolf Cub. Hey, Lone and Cub is a lifelong bond. They, he has walked the road of murder and mayhem for years. It's true. It's season one, dude. <laughs> okay. Fuck, what do you want? <laughs> Well, if we're going to just, let's just do all the stuff. Just keep going. Do you guys remember a segment that we used to do called The Fast and Nasty? That was The Hot and Nasty. Do you remember The Hot and Nasty? Yeah, it, was it was The, the Hot and Nasty. Was, was that it? what it was called? Yeah. It was The it was a play on Sassy the and, and Fasty. It was a play on The Hot and Ready? Yeah, it was The Hot and Nasty. I don't remember that. Was that from our short-lived Little Caesar sponsorship? <laughs> That's that we right, yeah. Still, we have one yet episode. to receive a check from? Not even a check, just give us a fucking Hot and Ready. Can we get one $5 pickup? Pizza, please. This podcast hasn't paid for one $5 pickup. This industry is fucked, man. Jeez. We've made a colossal series of huge mistakes. I'm I'm drinking some more hot damn. <laughs> I'll join you on that. I'll join you on that. My flute is dry, gentlemen. Been pounding the damn. Please provide me your flute. I can't believe you're going in for more hot damn. You, that is disgusting. Oh, no, it's great. You're like a sommelier right now. There you go. Oh, beautiful. You see that pour? Nice twist on the end. Oh, look at the bubbles. It's like cough syrup. uh, It's like cough syrup. In Europe. It's like if cough syrup hated you. (laughs) Do you. uh, So, do you remember how Hot and Nasty works? Vaguely. We have a giant pile of comics. What this used to be is like, well, we got to talk about as many comics as we possibly can talk about. And there wasn't enough time, so we would take a minute and you would have a stack of comics in front of you. You'd have to describe as many as you could. In that time. And we had one minute. That was the rule. In one minute. Got it. Yeah. So I'll get the timer. Well, Marcus, you you're, you can't use the timer. You're going to be doing it, bud. But I haven't read any of these books. Yeah, that's good. So what uh-huh. we're going to ask you to Fuck do it. is uh, is describe to us what happens in these comics just based on the cover. Oh, I love so it. So it's going to be a little weird. So I need you to describe the book. I need you to say the name of the book yep. and what's happening on the cover and what you think happens in it. And Curtis is going to give you a real quick, right, yep, that happens, or nope, that's way off base. Can I make a request because I love this idea? Yes. Will you boost it to two minutes for me? Oh, you can have two minutes, absolutely. Thank you. Have you ordered them? Can I shuffle them? You can do whatever you want. I just tried to mix them up for you a little bit there. A little shuffle. This is a big old pile of comics that have come out in the last week or so. Yep. So, Curtis, you're going to tell them 
just very quickly, so as not to interrupt his flow, if he nailed it or if he <laughs> if he biffed it. That's what I'll say. I'll say nailed it. Yep. Biffed it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Marcus, are you ready? He's limbering up, folks. He's Stretch it uh, out. Yep. I'm ready. You work the shoulders out. You're feeling good. I feel good. Okay, right. your time. Your time starts now. Dark Knight's Return: The Golden Child. On the cover, we have three ladies of varying ages. One's carrying a Molotov cocktail. I think in this book, there's a young child who is the daughter of Bruce Wayne, aka the Golden Child, who is being taken on by other members of the Bat family to become the next Bat person. Biffed it. Next, <laughs> our new mutants number three. I have a cover with uh, five different mutants. One of them looks like Kitty Pride. The other four, I have no idea who they are, but one looks like Jello with intestines. I'm gonna guess in this one, there's a new generation of Mutants and Kitty Pride is leading them on uh, adventures and learning. That's a biff. Fallen Angel X, number three. We have Katana, both in her... Oh, no. Not Katana. Uh, what's her name? Cyblade. Cyblade, thank you. Uh, and she's in traditional uh, costume and traditional Japanese clothing. I'm going to guess that she, uh, Blast from the Past uh, throwback episode? Kind of. Nailed it. Undiscovered <laughs> Country number two. I got a guy with a sweet Baratheon-esque antler helmet. Uh, by some kind of glowy space pod. I'm going to guess uh, humans go to space. They find a new planet. It's got some semblance to shit from Earth. No, none of that happens, Biffed. All right, Far Sector. I got a lady on a couch with a tiny Green Lantern statue in space. A uh, new generation of Green Lantern in a Far Sector that's a little more wild and crazy because they're away from the main area. I'm going to say nailed it. Thank you, Spawn number 303. Spawn is upset because he's not back yet and he kills people. Nailed it. <laughs> Doom 2099, number one. Doom in the future uh, probably meets Spider-Man, future Spider-Man. For a sweet little cameo? That's a half nail. Sweet. Uh, Savage Sword of Conan, he is on a horse chasing down men. I'm going to guess that Conan meets a group of bandits and runs them down. There is also a volcano explodes at the end. He noticed that it is magic that is creating the evil, and he vows to destroy the magic. He hates magic. Nailed it. The Red Mother, there's two women. One doesn't have an eyeball. One is holding the eyeball. Uh, I'm going to guess that a young lady discovers that she has witchcraft powers and communicates with her dead mother in spirit form. That's a biff. <laughs> That's a huge biff. Uh, I get why you would think that, though. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 100. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 100 has all your fan favorites. It has April O'Neil, Casey Jones, and a classic, classic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story in which they must defeat the Splinter. Sort of nailed it. The splinter. Nailed-ish. And the last That's one I'm going to do is the Batman's Grave, number three of 12. Batman is fighting a shitty version of Bane. Look who wrote it. Oh, God. A really shitty version of Bane? <laughs> and I hate Bane, and that book's probably terrible. I would guess that if Nick read that book and gave it a rating, he'd give it a two out of ten. Hey, that book rules, and you biffed it. Nick, what would you say? I think it's just okay, and that, and your, that was your time. Thank you. You did a very good job. We just kept the timer rolling because I was- Warren Ellis wrote that book, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, terrible writer. <laughs> Someone who should probably retire. Terrible writer. Yeah, I should probably retire. Oh, it's good to have you back, brother. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. How many of those did I get right? Come on. I, I well, had a good try. I, surprisingly, I think, you know, three out of ten? Yeah, three or four out of ten. Sight unseen? Know? Yeah. That's pretty good. Not bad. Conan's an easy one. Because every Conan book is pretty much There's this. definitely some magic. Yeah. There's yeah. a Man, volcano in every uh, issue of Conan. Woo! I feel alive! <laughs> that really gets the juices flowing, right? Yeah. Fast Remember that? That was great. Going. Oh, my God, you guys. That was amazing. You're I feel sweating. Young. I can see you sweating. I feel young. I feel alive. You Let's remember, fuck. You remember the... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you remember the lead up to the fast and nasty? You know, if you just knew you had to do it, the hot yeah. and ready, yeah. you just like you pre sweat. You know, I'm I'm warm. I'm moist in all the right places. That is good news for later. Do you do you want to take that energy into a listener question? I I want all the listener questions, Nick. All right. Well, here's one. This one's from Jacob. Hey, Jacob. Uh, who listened to our podcast, The Whole Ball of Worms, which is an, like a malapropism that made me think of Marcus. It really did. You like made up a phrase mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. And, and like, pretended oh. and casually said it like that it's been said yeah. forever across yeah, the Marcus globe. Yeah, Marcus has done that three times. He's been here yeah. for half an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's really, he is a natural ability that he has. It's yeah. uncanny, really. Uh, and in this episode, The Whole Ball of Worms, mm-hmm. The topic of comic book piracy was heavily discussed. Yeah. And he wants to preface this by saying that uh, we are 100% right. Piracy is a total dick move that is inexcusable. Jacob, thank you for that. However, (laughs) when you got into the numbers of the uh, comic book Crowded, uh, and when we discussed the sales of Crowded, uh, a mere 2,800 people are reading it. It made Jacob think about how he was very excited for Crowded, but that he is a trade waiter. Oh, ho. Which means that he waits for graphic novels, yeah. trade paperbacks, collections of the single issues to come out before he reads them. He goes on to write, I stopped collecting single issues a couple of years ago as I found out I was doing that just collecting. I was just collecting and not reading. I'm much more apt to pick up a collected edition slash graphic novel and enjoy the story within. Also, it's much easier for me to justify a collected edition than, say, six individual issues. So I have some questions. Is someone like myself that trade waits as bad for the industry as pirates, I assume he's saying? Am I negatively impacting these comics? And if so, how would you suggest I show my support for the creators and titles without having to resort back to buying floppies? Because I would hate to see a book like Crowded being impacted and shortened when it's such a killer title. That is a very, very good question. It gets right to the fundamental nature of how comic books work and how comic book creators get paid. Talk to me. Right? We talk about this shit all the time. Like, the reason comic books are released serially is because comic book artists and writers and creators aren't on a salary anywhere. They don't get a paycheck unless they produce comic books. And... Producing a graphic novel takes six months. It takes a year. It takes a long time to get paid. And then at the end of that six months and a year and you produce this big, long graphic novel and then you put it out to literal, little or no fanfare, there goes a whole year of really, really hard work. So the industry is built on single issues for a lot of reasons. I mean, comic shops live and die by Wednesdays, right? And getting regular single issue comics every single week. Creators live and die on that paycheck that comes in with that regularity, right? So, that's a toughie, because I get it. You want to buy graphic novels? That's a good way to buy comics. That's a, that's they're awesome. Well, we should say, you if you buy the trade paperback, you are one hundred percent supporting one hundred percent creator. Yeah. You are. You're doing nothing wrong. No, you are nowhere nearly. You're not negatively impacting the industry in any way. The by buying single issues, you impact the industry differently. Correct. You you are you are expressing your 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 taste and your money is going into the industry and just in a different way and you're and you're you know and the thing is is in when they're canceling a book because it has 28 or, or shortening a book like in the case of crowded right this book is getting its run truncated because mm-hmm. the sales numbers on single issues are pretty low and it's not enough to justify the creative team continuing to do it right you know when you buy the single issues you're kind of 
the creators and the publishers can see how the book is doing they a little see bit all better. That stuff. It's all going into the pot, right? When they're thinking about the performance of that book, when they're thinking about, you know, if, if another six issues means that we get to do another trade out of it, a yes. trade that did better than how those single issues performed, then that book still has life and it still has some legs. And by buying something in trade, like that's just that can extend the life of the book in a different way. For sure. There's nothing wrong with this. Nope. There's nothing wrong with trade waiting. No, not at all. I don't think at all. Now, that is... Comics are weird, y'all. It's it's the... Oh, I'm trying to think of another industry no that other has industry. such a weird fucking way this is what I'm of thinking judging about. success. And there's you know also I mean? no other industry that does serialized things that can then be completely consumed and purchased again in roughly the same format, right? There's not another industry that does it this way, where yeah. something comes out every month or every week or whatever, and then, I mean, I guess you could kind of say that about, you know, TV shows and then DVD releases, it's kind a, of, kind, but kind nobody, of. Can say, except for Curtis, nobody buys DVDs anymore. Whoa. This is not a comparable thing. And TV is caught up to the fact that people don't want to wait. So what's the major way that, I mean, there are still sure. classic TV, but- a lot of us binge watch, and it all comes out at one time. And also, the 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 primary audience for that, for like serialized television, is like old the, people. Well, the advertisers, right? That's who's actually spending the direct money, because based yeah. on like how big right. the audience is. This is directly if you buy a comic book, that creator can notice it because it affects their overall numbers, and because the industry's so small, they really, really feel it. Well, to to counter that, really, the creator makes money if you and Curtis buy the comic book, right? So maybe the way to answer this question is if you're really excited about a comic and you want to help the creator but you want to trade weight, I would say the best way to help that creator is to talk to the people who order the comic books. You could pre-order at, that trade. At your local comic book shop, pre-order that trade. And also, yeah. hey, check this fucking book out because most, if you're going to order a book, most of the times you can get a little sneak peek at it little bit of info. Hey, I'm really into this book. Maybe it's not on your radar. I think you might want to have it out in single issues. I'm really looking forward. I'd like to pre-order the trade. That is hands down the best thing that you can do for a creator because you going out and buying a single issue helps your local comic shop. But what's actually putting money into the artists and writers' hands and colorists and inkers and letterers is buying you buying it from Diamond. You, the shop, buying it from Diamond. But we are also we're making these decisions based on interest. Yeah, for sure. Course. We're based on like what we think people are going to come in and buy. And then, you know, and then sometimes you, you just order a bunch of copies of Conan, for instance, because you like Conan. Because Curtis really likes I it. I really, really like it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no business sense to it. <laughs> but we don't, whatsoever. But that doesn't happen that often, right? Well, once a decade Most or so. Most of the time, it's based on reader interest. Yes. By expressing your interest to the retail, it's a good point, Marcus, is that. That money is actually because it's not returnable most of the time. Right. So that it is it is coming from the retailer. So expressing your interest to the retailer by pre-ordering a thing is the safest way to support a book. But it all depends on like, do you want a future where single issue comics exist? I don't think that there is necessarily a right or wrong answer to this question. I prefer that single issue comics exist. I think they're cool. Like I like waiting a month and then seeing what happens and Big uh, fan. and reading writers that can like tie together like that gap of time into a way that's satisfying to read it fresh but also works really well when read all together i think that's cool but i don't think that is per se 
the only or right way to read comic books. Like if you just if comics, this is my question for you two. If question if comics only existed in graphic novel form, would the would the medium of art suffer as a result of it? Curtis thinks yes. I think I think it's a huge yes. Unless we figure out a way that artists and writers and creators get paid in some way that is not it would be cur- like book deals. The current model, right? Exactly. We would have to fundamentally change the entire back end of the business. Mm-hmm. Now, if they do that, then yeah, sure, that could work. There's plenty of comic creators that work off of that model that but, don't make money off of single issue comics. Sure. Yeah. And the other side of that is uh, to your point uh, about waiting between issues i am not a binge watcher and i think binging actually takes away from the enjoyment of a lot of stuff there's some stuff that you know you could watch it in a bigger chunk but i like to wait i'm i'm a water cooler fan and by that i mean i like talking with folks about little bits of some fiction that i'm enjoying in whatever format tv or fucking comic books and then we can talk and we can hypothesize and we can have a conversation about where it's going where it's going and when there's a gap between enjoying that thing that we all like i am about that um so graphic novels are not quite binging a whole season but you know yeah i think they're i want to market with with all of it or or a market where yeah creators get paid in a way where they can do it however they want Mm -hmm. right but aside from like your own enjoyment do you think the medium suffers? I wonder. I mean, without that change fundamentally to the back end, I think, yeah, less stuff gets made because less mm-hmm. people have the means to spend a year and a half to craft a graphic novel with no income or their income is some menial, you know, regular job. You know, not menial, but, you know, some, you know, you're working two jobs to make your graphic novel for two years to see if it hits. That's a tougher Mm-hmm. sell right i just wonder if that wonder necessarily if has to be the case yeah because there's you know. just so many some of the best stuff i read this year came out and under that model it's somebody that's going to put out one book this year well right. i'd love to inter- you know? i'd love to interview those folks but i bet you a lot of them are working real gigs and really busting ass to to well, have an income and to put out a book well there are professional graphic novelists that just put out graphic novels of, of course right but, yeah, but I think there's people putting out their first one or their second one, you know. Yeah. Oh, so you say like as a as an entry point for new creators, right? And right. New artists. Does, does I see it stay fresh? Does it stay something that's attractive to folks? You know, as a way to find new talent with less risk than giving somebody a five, probably not generously, a five figure book deal. Right. So I don't know. That's what do you it. think, Marquez? Yeah. I mean, there's a benefit to moving to a graphic novel release style system from a retailer's standpoint, which is when a graphic novel comes out, it's a little bit easier to do the fanfare, do the thing, the, the release. You know, it, you, We can do it for a graphic novel number or a single issue number one, Spider-Man number one, Captain America number one. We can do a little thing. But there is something to a new graphic novel coming out. You can you can prop that book up you can, and you can move it. Sure. Um, you know, I think it would take a lot of... Um, change on the on the comic book i think the comic books shops would be in big trouble if we got rid of single issues but i don't really read single issues anymore most of the comics that i consume are via graphic novels and i like it i like being able to get more of a story in one sitting Mm -hmm. um and i've just kind of turned to that to that style and, and i really really enjoy it so i don't know if it would be bad if we went to that that version, um, but I think that comic book shops uh, would really have to change their game or suffer the wrath of the direct market. Yeah, because th- that Wednesday release thing with the new issues, that's unlike any other industry. And I think it is 
pretty neat for comic shops. It is this moment that you don't really have in any other retail kind of environment, right? Yeah, that that would be gone. Yeah, you know. And so maybe record stores, like I think they get new releases in a, in a like a record shop, you know, on Tuesdays, right? So that may be a similar thing. But, but everybody else just you just go to that store to find a thing, right? Yeah. yeah but, but like the weekend doesn't put out a new album every month. Correct. God, I wish. I know. That'd we all great. wish. Yeah. I mean, I just I can't see. I have a hard time picturing a future where the single issue Wednesday release model lasts. I think it's just it's getting harder and harder to ask people to leave their fucking houses, let alone go every week, park your car get into a place unless something else is added to the experience other than just picking up your weekly issues i think there's got to be something else there to get people out um and that's just a that's just a change you know yeah whereas a graphic novel you're getting a lot more well to answer jacob's question you are not negatively impacting a comic by waiting for the trade no you're doing great you are incidentally affecting the current shape of the current comic book market but I don't think that necessarily that's a bad thing. It's just a, it, you're 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 talking with your money. You're expressing your tastes and the kind of stuff that you want to read in the way that you want to read it by the way that you're choosing to pick this stuff up by supporting the medium. Yep. So I, I don't know that that is bad per se, um, but it will if more people are like you, Jacob, and if 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 a lot more people, especially the people that read Crowded, that just read good books that don't have huge audiences if those people specifically completely stop buying single issues then the single issue market does change in a hurry and then and then the question be, which we don't know is does a crowded does a book like crowded exist at all right does we, it we enter just don't the know. market how does it enter the market yeah right. cuz that's that's a weird genre-y, action packed like it's hard to imagine that coming out under the current model of like we're going to give somebody an advance to put out a prestige graphic novel Crowded is very, very fun and very, very smart. It's not like a a think piece prestige book. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and single issues let you t- do a little taste, a little try. Yeah, you know, it's the spaghetti on the wall maneuver. Like it's, hey, check it out. Yeah, y- do you give a shit? Is there a market for this thing? And and you can exert enough effort because making one thirty page comic book is a shitload of work, as you all know, right? This is like. You know, a writer, an artist, a colorist, a letterist, an editor, a printer, right? Distributor. That's a lot of shit. And, uh, you know, to a new uh, creative team with an interesting kind of off-the-wall project, yeah, does it get made, you know? Yeah. Without that, you know, that little that little taste test, you know? And that's unique to comics. Comics can do yeah. a taste test, right? Like, if you want to do a TV show, you got to do a whole season. Like, that's a shitload of money or, you know, I can't think of anything else that, that allows you to you know, do that. So, good question, man. This is a meaty question. I read this and was like, "Shit." I, no, I mean, this I don't is, know the answer. This to is the this future question. of the thing. Like, yeah. it's it, it, questions like these, like that people just ask themselves and don't send into a podcast, but just buy what they want to buy. That's that, this is gonna, it's gonna shape and form what the thing looks like over yeah. the next decade. And you want people to consume how they want to consume. You want Jacob to enjoy his books the way he wants. Yeah. In comics, you know, if if it all works, if it's going really, really well, you get singles and then you automatically get a trade and that's just the the system, right? Where you, until, you know, we talk about these big fundamental changes Wait, what are happen. you saying? You just, you know, comics keep happening the way they happen. They We put them out in single issues and then they just, 
They're going to go to trade paperback. Oh, you're not saying somebody buys the singles and then buys also buys the trade. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. No. So the folks who want singles get those, and then you know everybody. And there's two different audiences, and there's two different audiences, yeah. and that's, and they're healthy in two totally different ways. That's a thing. But now, can that exist? Going that is a heavy lift. Yeah. yeah, that may that may be too heavy a lift. If you're looking into your crystal ball, you know, and we're, and we're having our our 2030 podcast reunion. You know, what does the industry, do you, Nicholas Weibar, think the industry still looks like that? Or do you think in the next decade we're up for a really big change? So I'll be really curious. If the, I I think either single issues will go away or fundamentally change in some way that the entire thing becomes like sustainable and, and healthy. Like the type of, re- the readership explodes and supports this whole thing without speculation or we just don't have single issues anymore or we have them in a, drastically reduced novelty form that is my prediction for 20 for for the next decade in comics i would prefer that it gets that it explodes in a healthy way and that more people read comics and that speculation chills out a little bit and that like we open the door to like a lot more people reading comics in this cool way which is monthly but absent that i don't think this can keep itself going for another 10 years the the at the current pace what do you think curtis i mean i gotta agree with you i i think we're up just a, you know, the 10s was awesome. The last decade was really cool for comics, money-wise. If you look at the numbers, just raw, big picture, 10 years. It was a good 10 years for comic books. But if we don't open twice as many comic stores, you know, in the next five years, if, if we don't go from 2,500 comic stores to 5,000 comic stores uh, very soon, I mean, this is what should be happening. The tr- and, and by that, I mean the trend should be more and more and more comic stores. It should be coming a more mainstream normalized form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's just not really happening. It is at the book market level with like all ages graphic novels and certain things, but it's just not a medium that is referred to by normal human beings, right? Mm -hmm. Casually, right? So that's the thing. I think graphic novels will are here forever. They're going to exist in the mass market. People are going to read them uh, for sure. But can comic shops be the driving force? Can they proliferate yeah that is not at all clear man please let it happen because that's where it should happen you know cool the vanguard of comics has always been the the direct market and uh yeah can we do it can we open five thousand comic shops and that's cool if you think that you want to have a place that knows a lot about the thing yep and is expert in the medium yes and can show you and like walk you through this medium of art if that is cool and appealing, then we need more comic shops. We need single issues to exist. We that that's the only way to justify. And it's it. probably all of it. It's like what we were talking about. It's back issues. It's current single issues. It's graphic novels. It's yep. original graphic novels. It's just all these. And maybe it is a, a healthy, you know, speculator market that that is part of a much larger thing. And yeah, it's not a big deal. But it's a much smaller percentage of the people right. buying single issues. Exactly. Yes. I think the big challenge uh, in the next 10 years is going to be exactly what Nick said, specialty knowledge, really cool items uh, versus convenience. I think that's what's that's the battle that's going to play out in the next 10 years is going and talking to someone who is very, very knowledgeable at a thing or saying, hey, Google, please send me Aquaman number 15. Okay. You know, I think that's this. We're going to see that battle in the next decade, and how comics uh, kind of retaliate against convenience is going to be in comic shops in particular. I think is there's a lot of opportunity there to do some really really cool stuff, and so I go into it with optimism. 
yeah. um, knowing that there are people thinking about the larger the larger picture of what this looks like. Yeah. But it's going to be weird, I think, in the next decade as, as things just things are getting so convenient. It's like almost getting worrying how convenient shit is. Yeah. Um, but I I look forward to seeing what happens with Vault of Midnight in the next decade because I know some of the stuff you guys have been talking about, and I think it's going to be really cool to watch the industry adapt. This is what we were talking, and we were talking about this as we did our big retrospective on the decade. But the nerd shit came into its own over the last ten yeah. years. Like we haven't found the ceiling on people's capacity to absorb things that once upon a time you kept in the darkest corner of your of your mind oh, you just and of could- your room. You just didn't talk about it no. with anyone. And now this shit is the common currency for culture, right? And, and everywhere in the in office space where pick a pick a spot you know it's not exclusive to any realm it's everybody is involved the potential is there if we can capitalize on it if we can do something with it and a lot of that stuff is going to be formed by questions like the ones jacob is asking is like how 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 do i consume this stuff because it's fucking weird i think it's a totally fair question well and i think it's a super thoughtful question too because you want to be a part of the thing you want to actively support these creators yes. so i mean that's really it's a really cool question in that way i mean how do i do this <laughs> in, yeah. in a way that i like, want to be part of yeah i want to be part of helping and yeah. not and not be part of a problem yep jacob you're not part of the problem you're great you're awesome and marcus you're great you're great thanks for coming on buddy oh it's been so good do you remember how the credits go do you remember the part that you say i think I think so. You might be able to. I think you can do it. Do you want to see my script? No, or fuck you, your you're script. You're gonna go raw. He's going live. I'm going live. He's going. Did you say he's going raw? He's going raw. <laughs> going I don't raw. know. Cool. Dick out. Hey, what are you? Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for the year, you dudes. Yeah. Right back at you. you Thank, thanks for the the decade, homies. Yeah. And it was a, a good a good tens. It was a good tens. Uh, and I think with that, I think that's gonna do it for us. Uh, and like I said, this is our last show of the year. The last, the next couple of uh, Wednesdays are holidays. We got, you got your Christmas Day, you Boom. got your New Year's Day. Bang! So we're gonna be gone until 2020. Uh, but we love you. We appreciate you. Have a great holiday time, everyone, and enjoy uh, the new year. I'm juiced to just say 2020 all the time. We're in 20s, we know, baby. bud. You can't, can't write wait to long. say 2020. I'm going to write 2020 Yeah, just all the fucking time. So soon. So soon. Very, very soon. <laughs> I promise you'll be able to. Uh, and with that, that's going to do it. Our editor is Aaron Polk. Our music was created by A-Bomb, and we recorded this week in Curtis's house. Thanks, Curtis. You're welcome, everybody. You can subscribe, <laughs> download, and review The Super Skull Show on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. We're also on Stitcher, you guys. Also, please tell a friend about the show if you would. Just slap them on the back, like a little hard, like over hard. And Curtis, say, when's the last time you reviewed a podcast? What's a podcast you like? I like uh, he- Heat Rocks. You like Heat Rocks? I do. Do you ever review it? I Yeah. I did review it. You're a liar. Hey, look. I, I can see in your eyes I that you're look, lying. Listen, motherfucker. I didn't write a review. Why don't you, Wait, get, what, did you just click the Hold button? on. No, let's time it. Let's see what's going on. You got your phone on you? Yeah. Let's find Wait, a podcast you like. For the listener, in real time, this is how long it takes Curtis to leave a five-star review for a podcast that he likes. He's tapping on his phone. He's got his readers on. I, I, well, my phone won't recognize me with my readers, you guys. He's, cl- he's clicking on the, the podcast app. I am right now. Yep, and then he's going to go to a show that he likes. Ooh, I'm going to Slow Burn. Slow Burn. 
which is a great podcast. Good podcast. I'm not turning on the show. I'm just going there. Yeah. Now, this is going to take a little bit less time for you, the listener, because- Shut it. Probably- Shut your face. You haven't had the ravages of time (laughs) tear away at your ability to manipulate electronic devices. Curtis is still going. I thought this would go a lot faster. All right, and there you go. Five stars. Five stars. That was actually a lot faster than I thought it would be. good. Now we can move on with the credits. Move on. Uh, Make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, superskullshow.com. If you can leave it, find it in your heart. Find it right there in your heart. Go to superskullshow.com slash donate. Every dollar you donate helps us keep this thing going. Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts since 1996. My name is Nick Weibar. I'm Curtis Sullivan. And I'm Marcus Schwimmer. Yeah, yeah, you are. We wish you very good reading. Until next week. I think I had too much hot damn, you guys. <laughs> I'll be Chumbawamba, <laughs> and I'll say Cowabunga, dudes. What's the Chumbawamba song? I get I knocked down, down, but I get up again. You're never, never going to take me down. down. I get knocked down. It was on Jock Jams, volume one. Zip of the night away. Jock jams. No, that's okay. Jock jams. <laughs> Jock jams. How do you test a mic? Jock jams. Jock jams. Jock jams. Jock jams. Jock jams. Sibilance. Jock jams. You know what else was on uh, Jock jams volume one? What? Um, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals and lions doing like they do on the Discovery Channel. They used to play that at track meets. I don't. Know. Are you, really? Selena High track meets. Yeah, what, I don't know. What song is that? Uh, you know that song? Yeah. I don't. Oh, you know it. I don't know it. Nope, don't know it.